lecture one part one of the groundwork of the christian virtues this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne lecture one the divine law of probation part one the lord your god trieth you that it may appear whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul or not deuteronomy chapter thirteen verse three the noblest building demands the costliest foundation to secure its firmness and solidity the magnificent structure of the christian virtues by which the soul ascends to god can only rest firmly and rise securely upon the receptive virtue of humility a virtue most costly to our corrupted nature yet of wonderful strength when brought to its perfection this virtue has its ground in the nature of things its reason in the unchangeable order of justice and the whole knowledge of god and of oneself for the compass of its motive and whilst as a virtuous force of the will it keeps the soul in her just and true position it opens her powers to every good and perfect gift that descends from the father of lights in our former course of lectures we considered the endowments of man in their relations with his final end and took a general survey of the broad and deep foundations of this virtue and we thus prepared the way for a more precise and exact consideration of its nature its origin its force and efficacy and upon this we have now to enter we shall have further to consider the relations which humility bears to the other christian virtues its qualities as their essential groundwork and as the preparation sustaining power and protection of them all for the foundation of the christian virtues is itself a strong and a most comprehensive virtue and a virtue without which there is no christian virtue as the moral groundwork of god's building in the soul this virtue has rightly obtained the name of humility for as the word humus from which it is derived signifies the lowly ground that is opened by the labourers of man to the fertilizing influences of the heavens humilitas or humility is the lowly condition of the soul opened by the self-cleansing and self-subduing labors of the spiritual man to the benign influences of god god alone is independent every creature is dependent on god but as man is made for god he has a vast capacity and wants in full proportion to his capacity for god and is therefore immeasurably more dependent on his creator than the irrational creatures whose wants are limited to this world to be deeply conscious of this dependence 
is to have the soul filled with the most important moral truth with which we are concerned and to enter with good will into this truth is to place ourselves on the secure foundation of all justice this dependence has its foundation in the divine preeminence and absolute sovereignty of god and in his bountiful goodness and in the need we have of receiving his divine help and bounty that we may be united with him both as our first cause and as our final end as our first cause that we may receive his continual influence and as our final end that by his graces and blessings as we are made to his image we may come to our divine original so dependent is the ray of light upon the sun that when separated it expires in darkness and so dependent is our soul upon the divine beneficence that when we are no longer subject to his gracious influence we decline into a moral death as humility springs in the order of justice from the truth of our dependence on god it is the virtue proper to the intellectual and moral creature and the foundation of all those virtues whereby man is perfected unto god but as the pillar that led israel from egypt to the land of promise was both light and cloud so this virtue of humility is light to the children of belief whilst to the children of this world it takes the appearance of an obscure and unintelligible cloud it enlightens the humble it perplexes the proud for the world without humility is the world without the sense of god and consequently without the sense of dependence on god but when for long ages pride had usurped the place of humility in human hearts then came humility from heaven in the person of god and the nature of man that through its divine power and influence the souls of men might return to god but before entering into these great subjects we shall have to consider the divine law of probation which has its reason in the law of subjection and which establishes the connecting link between the subjects of our present and of our past course of lectures lest however what we have already said on the great qualities of humility should seem overcharged especially to those who have hitherto seen but its cloudy side and who can see nothing in it but an amiable weakness or a shameful degradation we shall at once point out two facts that place the victorious force of this virtue on invincible foundations the first is this that by the divine exercise of humility the fallen race of man was redeemed from evil and brought back to god the second is this that by the exercise of this virtue the christian soul is transplanted from dependence on her own native resources to dependence on the inexhaustible resources of god 
and from reliance on her own feeble self-support to reliance on the strong support of god a virtue that carries the soul over from her own foundation to place her on a divine foundation must be strong and this virtue is humility god is the fountain of law he gives to us the light of law that by its guidance we may rule our wills in conformity with his divine will which expresses both the eternal order of things and the order of progress in the creature from what is good to what is better from this order all justice proceeds and through justice all good is obtained there are two orders of dependence in the creation there is a necessitated order in the material creation which is without understanding or will and there is a voluntary order of dependence in the spiritual creation which determines its own free conduct by law and virtue or by neglecting them becomes a failure in the material universe the order of dependence is fixed and determined by the will of god the first mover of all things unless for great spiritual purposes he changes that order and brings it under the higher motive of a higher law that it may serve to the saving and sanctification of souls even in that fixed order and dependence of the material world on which we habitually rely what is inferior in it is perfected by what is superior but in the spiritual world of created intelligences where wills are free the just and due order of dependence on god whose needy clients we are is one thing as it exists in the law of justice and another as it exists in fact that is to say as it exists in the actual conformity of our will to the will of god as expressed in the law of justice for the law of justice may be in our mind and conscience while our will is far from it thus whilst the material creation is necessarily dependent on god our spiritual soul must be willingly subject to god that we may be in just order and right dependence on god to receive his sovereign bounty a truth which redounds to our honour and dignity as free and intelligent spirits made to the image of god there is one truth more of vast importance in this relation to every soul a certain portion of the elements of this material world is attached in the wonderful organization of the human body and notwithstanding the general laws which regulate material things the free soul exercises its free will upon the body and upon the things dependent on the body that are external to it and either subjects them to order or throws them by evil conduct or neglect into disorder now if the will of man can thus change the material order of things in so far as they are dependent on him 
yet without seeming to interfere with the fixed and constant order of any part of the material creation how much more can god for his high spiritual purposes do the same for matter is made to be the servant of spirit the light of justice is therefore planted in our mind and the sense of god in our heart and the choice is left to our will whether we conform ourselves by the exercise of virtue to the just and due order of our dependence on god or not but this moral conformity of our disposition and will to our real position before god and the subordination of our will to the known will of god is expressed by the subjection of our mind and will to the mind and will of god and in virtue of this subjection which is the becoming predisposition on our part we are able to receive from god the gifts that bring us to perfection subjection is therefore to our free natures what dependence is to the irrational creature and by this willing subjection we not only consult our greater good which comes to us from the divine superiority but we give that reverence and honour to god which is due to him yet this reverence and honour as st thomas observes is not given to god as though a benefit to him to whose glory no creature can add anything but it returns to our benefit because our perfection consists in subjecting ourselves to god even as everything is perfected by subjection to its superior so the body is perfected through subjection to the soul the atmosphere through subjection to the sun and the soul is united to god through subjection to him and by reason of that subjection she receives from him whatever is needful for her perfection the soul in her substance and powers is the free creation of god who in creating willed that she should exist for ever as the book of wisdom says god created man indestructible and to the image of his own likeness he made him wisdom chapter two verse twenty three man has no power therefore over his own spiritual existence independently moreover of her own will the soul receives whatever is necessary for her natural functions such as the gift of reason and the natural sense of good and evil but as she is destined for a good unspeakably higher than her nature as god himself is the supreme object of the soul she cannot receive what is necessary for her union with god and her perfection without the free subjection of her will and the voluntary dependence of her hope on god first because divine things in the moral order must have a willing subject secondly because their greatness and goodness must be gratefully recognized thirdly because the lowly receiver of gifts so high must humbly understand and feel that they are not her own 
but come from the bounty of god fourthly because the soul must willingly open herself in response to the divine gifts to make them fruitful fifthly because the will must enter into the intention of her divine benefactor yet so far is this willing subjection from debasing the soul that it brings her to the majesty and submits her to the loving condescension of god which brings honour to her nature and dignity to her character nor is the freedom of our nature lessened by subjection to the divine nature on the contrary it is wonderfully increased we are set free in mind by the possession of greater truth and free in heart by the possession of greater good our subjection to god is not a subjection by descending but by ascending is not a deference to things lower than ourselves but a movement towards what is incomparably higher than we are in this subjection the soul deserts her self-love and the base things to which self-love holds her captive and enchained and moves towards god in the act of subjecting herself to him who is the perfect freedom and the source of all freedom is the spirit free that cleaves to her own nature or the spirit that seeks the divine nature is the mind most at liberty in her own light or the mind that comes into the sphere of the divine and supernal light is the soul enlarged through immersion in the body or through union with the spiritual things of god the pride of independence is isolation and isolation is poverty poverty of mind poverty of heart and poverty of spirit but he who is the subject of greater light than his own and the servant of greater powers than his nature can supply has reached to sources of freedom beyond the limits of his nature it is not the man then who isolates himself in the pride of self-sufficiency but the man who unites himself by subjection to what is higher in power better in wisdom and greater in good the man who looks hopefully to the divine fountain of light and grace who is free with that freedom with which god sets us free freedom is not of the night darkness is its adversary freedom is of the day and god is the sun of our freedom to put the law of dependence in a simple point of view whatever is created is feeble and requires to be fed the heavens feed the earth the earth the plants the plants the animals and all feed the body of man but whatever lives by food depends on the provider of that food to rebel against that food or against its provider is to starve and spiritual creatures are also in a state of weakness and want of their proper food all the greater because their capacity is too immense for anything but god to satisfy they too must be fed and since they are spirits with spiritual food 
or they can neither grow nor strengthen nor advance to those better things the appetite for which is deep within them and for which they were really made the food of the mind is truth the food of the will is force and good hence the divine master of souls has said not in bread alone doth man live but in every word that proceedeth from the mouth of god st matthew chapter four verse four spiritual natures are on the summits of creation there is nothing but god above them bearing the image of god in their nature and the consciousness of god in that image they are his immediate subjects and he their father and feeder for the lord god is the pastor of souls feeding them as a shepherd his sheep and when he appoints other shepherds they feed not from their own substance but from his eternal stores but unless the spiritual children be subject to the father how can they be fed a stomach that loathes its food makes a weak and sickly body and a soul that revolts against its nourishment cannot have spiritual strength god is the first giver and the first mover the will is the receiver and the second mover meeting the gift making it her own and making it fruitful but if the receiver responds not to the divine giver if the gift be left unregarded the mind is not enlightened the heart is not nourished the soul is in a worse plight through her neglect than before the gift was offered there may be an idle sentimental passive submission to the gift but this will do nothing for the soul's good there must be an active subjection and an earnest correspondence to god and his grace to meet and mingle with the good movements of god to enrich and fertilize our powers with his gifts government is as necessary to the soul as food and spirits on their venturous way from ignorance to truth from nothingness to god require the divine wisdom to lead them the divine lord to govern them but there can be no government without subjection you may choose a wise and beneficent master who is interested in your well-being and advancement or you may choose a tyrannical master who thinks but of his own interests at the cost of yours but a master you must have if you choose the first you choose freedom if you choose the second you bid farewell to liberty there is no master so large-minded so generous or who is so well acquainted with you and your requirements as god no father so loving and bountiful no friend so free from all jealousy none who so completely loves you for your greater good whilst there is no tyrant so narrow-minded so proud-hearted so exacting so suspicious so utterly bent on keeping you to your own littleness as the one we all know so well of whose tyranny we have had such bitter experience and who goes by the name of myself 
this name has such an unpleasant sound to all ears but our own that even whilst cherishing what it signifies we find it prudent to keep it as much away from other ears as we can yet god or yourself you must choose for your master the whole design of god's beneficent government of souls is to draw them out of themselves and to bring them to his truth and good this is the true object of the divine law of probation to draw us out of ourselves by means of those virtues which probation is intended to develop and promote unless you understand this grand truth you will have but a faint notion of the good which god contemplates in providing temptation and probation for his spiritual creatures as there are few truths more obscure to the general mind or that more nearly concern our spiritual welfare let us examine the principle of this divine law more closely the soul begins her everlasting existence in a feeble and contracted condition as well as the mortal body her first life is one of sense and instinct what she first obtains is the consciousness of self and of her own personal and separate existence for a little experience adds to this keen self-consciousness the sense of limitation owing to the double sensation produced by what acts within us and what reacts upon us from external causes these lines of limitation are at first obscure and indefinite experience has yet to teach the difference between these two causes of sensation both however have the same effect of increasing the sensibility of self-consciousness but this inclines our nature to independence consider the motive power within this young spirit first it is an instinct rather than a will until reason draws in the intelligence and then it becomes a will the infant seems at first to be almost a part of the mother and finds its good and protection in her when taken from her the child suffers when brought to her it rejoices and clings to her for all good but in passing from infancy to the dawning of reason there comes a change thinking has begun self-consciousness has grown the sense of independent life becomes definite the will begins to assert itself and to feel its own importance the mother says you must the child replies i won't this little fit of self-assertion is the beginning of pride fear must come to check this first step to independence the child receives reproof and some new command as a loving discipline to enforce subjection and obedience this first trial of the young spirit is probation helping the little soul to leave its selfishness and to submit to its mother's law the obedience that follows is the beginning of self-knowledge and self-mastery this will serve to explain how the newly created intelligence whether angel or human soul is engaged with the sense of her own existence 
and of her own limitations and is thus inclined by nature to self-love before that intelligence is drawn by grace to a greater being than her own the sense of personality comes first because it is the foundation of responsibility we therefore find ourselves before we completely find god although the testimony of god is within us even the angels were not created in union with god or with virtue they had first to receive the grace of god and then acquire the virtues in a state of probation end of lecture one part one